0: Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. Joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Thank you, Jordan, for making the podcast (laughs) looking a little rough this morning. It's been a tumultuous 36 to 48 hours for you. Hasn't it? Uh, I I would say a little even longer than that, honestly, but yeah, it was, Hey, it was a
1: long, fun football Saturday for me. And, uh, when, when you have long and fun football Saturdays, that usually means that Sunday mornings are a little slow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Typically Jordan is not going to beer back when we record, but he, he's got the coffee this morning. That's right. Uh, um, yeah, so we'll obviously get into the football here as quick as we can. We've got a, a lot of fun and crazy stat lines and games to break down. Surprises all around for sure. We will start out with the big news of the weekend. Um uh, my Friday afternoons, late afternoons, uh as long as the work is done, uh that's when I, when I'm, you know, kind of getting into the evening, that's when I get the, that's when I get my my chef on, okay? Get the ingredients going, pick a pick a something out. So I'm like in the groove, but meanwhile, while this is going on, Twitter is just melting down. I should say specifically, Michigan Twitter is melting down. Why? Uh, because head coach Jim Harbaugh was announced. What was it about? Noon, one o'clock, somewhere around there on Friday. Was that about when it was? Oh no, it was when the team was in the air on the way to Happy Valley. So it was about two thirty, three o'clock. Yeah, in the after. Well. For my time, that was closer to what it was. That's um, fair. I always yep. forget. Central time. yeah. yeah, so, yeah Central ah, time. Screws down. me up every time. Um, and uh, then, that, then, oh boy, did Michigan Twitter uh, meltdown. The guy that I'm sharing the screen and podcast with was in on the melting down process. We'll, we'll go back in time a little bit. We can't recount this whole thing, but what, what, what was your initial feeling and reaction when you saw the headline? I mean, obviously, like any fan of
1: your team, you're pissed. You don't want to see your coach get suspended. And, I mean, I have not been quiet about how I felt about it on social media. I mean, I'm at this point, I'm just so sick and tired of the whole process. Right. Like, I'm over the whole thing. He's been suspended. It's now, I would say, three games, so we're down to two. There is an injunction. So Michigan immediately, and from what I understand, they already had the paperwork filed. They just had to tell the courts, yes, we're submitting this because pretty much they knew this was coming. So the injunction's filed. Now there's a hearing on Friday. To go over the details of it, to try to get a temporary restraining order put on it, so that he can give you back on the sideline and coach. All the Michigan circles seem to feel like this injunction will happen, and they they feel confident in it, so that he'll be coaching the next two games. But we'll see. When you when you get into the legal system,
0: nobody yeah. knows what's going to happen with any of this. Nope, and like my semi famous comment. Semi-famous comment is all the time, I know who's always going to be the winner out of these things. It's the team of lawyers that we don't even probably know the names of most of the time. Listen, fan is short for fanatic, right? We we say this often on the podcast, on Twitter. It doesn't miss Jordan or me, okay? A um, lot of Michigan fans ready to leave the Big Ten around 4 or 5 o'clock on Friday. Me having the ability to kind of maybe watch the situation but not be quite as emotionally invested, I'm like... Yeah, I, I just don't think you're gonna leave the Big Ten, but I I also supported Michigan fans like feelings to being pissed. Um, I I did try to offer up to people, you know. I bet if you were put in this position as a fan, you would be pissed as well. Uh the Big Ten's announcement on how essentially it was like <laughs> we're not suspending Jim Harbaugh. We are suspending Jim Harbaugh because of things Michigan did, and essentially this is the best option that we can come up with to hurt Michigan without completely hurting them. That was me reading through the tea leaves on what was how this was laid out and what they came up with now that you've had a couple of days to cool off. Is that kind of what you think as well? I mean, essentially, that's what they were. That that looks like what they were attempting to do. That's just the way it worded in their statement
1: was really horrible because it says we're not sanctioning Jim Harbaugh, but yet we suspended Jim Harbaugh. The 3D chess move would have been okay. You're not sanctioning Jim Harbaugh. Jack Harbaugh is on Michigan's coaching staff. Just name him the head coach for this game, so that he eats the suspension, and then Jim Harbaugh becomes a recruiting analyst for three weeks, and he could be on the sideline.
0: Yeah, that would have been a 3D chess move.
1: And because say, the, the sanction wasn't Jim Harbaugh, they said that it was yeah. the it was the
0: university. So yeah, and I know you're kind of joking there, but yeah, that's all tongue in cheek, right? Yeah, um, I, I will say I, I'm continually uh, surprised to see Sharon Moore be the guy, mostly because that is three heavy hats that guy has to wear now: head coach, offensive coordinator, and old line coach. I mean, we got to the game. I mean, it, it got pulled off, but I don't know. I just Mike Hart's an ultimate Michigan, you know, Wolverine. I don't know. I, I love Sharon
1: Moore. He's an amazing coach. He is excellent at what he does, but I agree with you 100%. That's too many tasks for one person to try to take over. I actually was petitioning Jay Harbaugh hmm. to be the the headpiece because he's coached both sides of the ball. He does the special teams. He's got a lot of just overall game knowledge and he's kind of an analytics nerd.
0: So Just be the, yeah. the game manager. That way, yeah. your two coordinators can just be the coordinators. But We don't have to talk a lot more about this. No, it's Sharon Moore. Maybe that three heavy hats were weighing on him because cried like somebody (laughs) shot his dog. uh, He let the world know how he felt. Uh, For sure, he does know Jim Harbaugh is still alive, right? He he, he hasn't left the face of the earth, from what I can tell. You
1: know, uh, that's that's the rumor. Yeah, has (laughs) we have seen confirmation that
0: Jim is still alive. That is true. Um, (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. We've had two weeks in a row now where uh, somebody after a big game somebody is caught crying. Uh, last week it was Caleb Williams. Uh and then, you know, last thing is is I would say is I do think, okay, I, I that the Big Ten is and Tony Petiti, and I know anger is going to linger with Michigan fans and Tony Petiti from now till the rapture. Okay. That's that's it, it's never gonna go away. That is that fair it. to say. With that being said um Michigan you you kind of did some of this to yourself okay you're not completely innocent in this situation and I know I'm talking to a Michigan fan but so like I'm not talking for a Michigan fan Ohio State or Michigan State fan because those three fan bases have too much emotional investment I'm I'm more talking to the other 11 fans I mean Jordan they're, I got a text group, right? and it's, it's, I'm the youngest guy in the group, all right, just to try to age it a little bit. And it's me and a bunch of Hawkeye fans, you know, and brothers and cousins and business owners and, you know, coaches and everything like that. There's never been a time during this whole season where we've thought to ourselves, wow, Michigan is really rolling. I hope something comes along and bites them in the ass. We have not been like that. We've just been in awe of the machine that Michigan is. So it's not like we have wanted to see this happen. Okay. At the same time, we're not exactly shedding a tear for some form of ramifications coming. Like that's the that's the situation fans like me and you know other fans around the Big Ten are put on Does it put in. Does that sound fair? No, I and I I actually kind of
1: expect it. I mean, when yeah. when you are good and you have been dominant to the fashion to what Michigan has been, teams are going to be happy when they or at least show a little bit of enjoyment when there's downfall. Right. I mean, but the positive side as a Michigan fan and I don't know how many Michigan fans truly are on this podcast, but you are still 10 and 0.
0: Yeah. And you you could wind up going 12 and 0 potentially without Harbaugh on the sideline then it's gone it's over it's in the it's in the rearview mirror you're in indianapolis or or the the tro could get put through and he coaches against ohio state and you know what i mean like the, all these things are on the table my 3d checker's view of it and i said this to you on friday afternoon evening i wonder if the big 10 didn't know that the tro would get put through so now they can say hey every other big 10 team not named michigan we did try to do something yet they know that the back door is left open for Harbaugh to be back on the sideline somewhat soon. So like, that's the best option they could come up with to kind of, you know, mow the grass on both sides of the fence. Yeah. We'll find out Friday. I mean, when this, when,
1: when this, when the ruling comes on this, if it goes in Michigan's favor and then that's the end of it until, until whenever the actual hearing happens or whatever, then, then we'll know. But, there's there's not just there's just it's all speculation and it is. hearsay at this point until now. For me, I like I said, I'm just tired, tired of talking about, about it. I want it to go away. I just want I mean this is one of the best Michigan football teams that I've ever seen mm-hmm. and I just want to be able to enjoy it. I, understand. I can handle all the jabs and the little jokes about stealing signs because guess what? I'm going to lean into that too <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to
0: kind of play against that theory also. So All right. Well, there you go. The, the point being is, you'd rather talk about football. So, wow. we just go ahead and talk about Let's football?
1: talk about this week because it was a hell of a day
0: yesterday. It was. It was a crazy day. Seven Big Ten games this weekend. Three games early, three games in the afternoon, one game in the evening. All these games happened yesterday on Saturday, November 11th. We're going to save one of the early games for later in the podcast for our breakdown. First game up, Illinois, 48, Indiana, Forty-five. I joked that with daylight savings time, we almost had a Pac-12 after dark game here in <laughs> Champaign. with how this went down. The Illini with 662 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers, 451 for the game reset. Here's how it went down back and forth craziness all during the first half. Then Illinois kind of pulled away and then Indiana came back. And then, of course, how does it end? Just like any Illinois game is expected to end now. John Paddock, Illinois legend now, with his second. I think he has to be. I think he has he's to be a legend at this point. I mean, he's in there at least, you know, since the, the this century, with his second walk off touchdown to another Illinois budding legend, Isaiah Williams, for a touchdown to win the game in overtime. Okay, so I predicted Indiana to cover in this game to go over, so by technical gambling terms, I hit it, but (laughs) nobody saw this game happening on Saturday. No, I I had Indiana covering as well, but I actually had the under, so Hmm. that was only a scotch off (laughs) on that. I I mean, I think both these games hit the over by themselves, right? Weren't we down to like 42 and a half or something like that? 43 and a half. 43 and a half. So both Both teams
1: covered the spread by themselves. Yeah. So that tells you all you need to know there. But I mean, we joked when we talked about Illinois and Paddock that you know his his he had to get go, he had to progress a little bit, you know, the whole perfect QBR. He sure as hell didn't regress a lot. (laughs) Okay for five hundred and seven yards on only twenty-four completions. So twenty-one yards per completion.
0: It's just impressive. I don't mean to be a douche, but I didn't say he would regress. If you remember, I said part of the reason I'm picking the over is because of the paddock effect and what I saw in him unlocking the downfield passing game. Now, again, I, it's shades of correctness right here. I didn't, I didn't expect 507 yards, but it, listen, this is a different team now, okay? They, they are attacking downfield. Suddenly, the wide receivers come out. I mean – their their star freshman running back goes out of the game reggie love comes in 24 carries 140 yards two touchdowns obviously credit goes to reggie love in the offensive line but you can't tell me that's not because the the defense was back on on its heels i mean poor tommy allen he looked like he was shell-shocked when they interviewed him at halftime you know did not see this coming you have got to give credit to, to Illinois, I mean, they, they have found something, and instead of playing it safe, they've leaned into it, and this is what you got. I mean, guys like Isaiah Williams, Pat Bryant, Casey
1: Washington, they're loving this. I mean, yes. I mean, you got Washington with five catches, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Pat Bryant, five catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Isaiah Williams, nine catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Like, those guys are thinking, this is great. Where's Insane. this been all year Let's do some more of this. But the other side of the ball, too, is the Illinois defense. Yeah. Like, I, I was, so I didn't get to watch this game super closely, obviously, because of what we'll talk about later. But what I did see was it seemed like Indiana early on in this game had a strategy. Anytime that Johnny Newton went off the field to get a blow, because you know, guys need a breather when they're that big, they were running the ball right up the middle and they were having success. As soon as he came back in the game, they right. stopped doing that and started trying to throw the ball because yep. they knew. I have never seen. A defensive tackle so much influence an entire game, game script like I
0: saw from Johnny Newton, at least in the first half, and what pieces yeah. I got to see from it. It was impressive. Nebraska fans are screaming, and Dominican Sue. I mean, honestly, oh, that was that's
1: probably of, the last time. I mean, that's,
0: that's that's yep, and and he's in that territory. I don't think his stat line is quite as dominant, but his effect on the game is as crazy. But shout out to Indiana, too. Brendan Soresby, be twenty two of, of thirty three, two hundred eighty nine yards, three touchdowns, had the to pick, one hundred sixty two yards on the ground. Wide receiver Donovan McCauley, eleven catches, one hundred and thirty seven yards, two touchdowns. Of course, you know my number one slot was you know your game it, it, to, uh, at the at the early slot. I had rooting interest in the Nebraska game, which we'll break down next. Every time I switched over to this game, McCauley was right down the field, you know, getting open. Like it was just, it, w- it was just crazy. But all credit to Illinois, but also tons of credit to Indiana for showing up these, the second half of the season when everybody left them to dead. I know they didn't win the game. I'm guilty. Right. We, 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 we all are, you know, they're singing weird, weird tunes in the locker room after a loss. You're like, oh man, this is getting ugly. I think Tommy Allen. Is going to survive. I think he's going to get through, especially if they pick up even one more win, especially if it's over Purdue. So props to Tommy Allen and the Hoosiers. They've kept fighting. I know that people will say this is a quote-unquote bad team. Well, I tell you what, this is a quote-unquote bad team that you don't want to play right now.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they had every reason and every excuse to quit on the season and stop. Playing as hard as they have been and they haven't done it. So that's a scary yep. team. There's nothing scarier than a team that's playing with nothing to lose. And that's exactly what Indiana's doing right now. And maybe
0: that's why some of these games show came up the way they are. You know, like you do get to the point where younger guys are put in, hey, what do we have to lose? Actually, that was John Paddock's quote when he was walking off the field is hey, what do I have to lose? So maybe that's part of the reason we're seeing some of these crazy stat lines that we'll get into as we break down these games. With the loss, Indiana drops to three and seven. So, second team to miss a bowl with the win, Illinois moves to five and five overall, three and four in conference. This will be a theme here. Okay, the theme is for Illinois at three and four in the Big Ten West. They have a chance to win the Big Ten championship. I say that tongue in cheek. Okay, nobody thinks that's going to happen. They also have a chance to miss a bowl. There are the variability in the
1: Big Ten West is so fascinating right now. Anybody. and then people are going to say that's the Big Ten West. It sucks. If you can't look at this just,
0: and just smile and yes. say it's a
1: beautiful, beautiful mess, I don't know what's wrong with
0: you. I agree, uh, and and I tell you what, right now, the path for Illinois to get to Indy, at least, okay, just being realistic, it is not that hard. We will break that down more in the next podcast. But <laughs> Illinois fans being left for dead about three, four weeks ago, still have a ton to cheer for. All right, sticking in the early window, Maryland 13, Nebraska 10. The Terps with 384 yards of total offense to the Huskers 269. Here's the game reset. Ugly. All right, let's just, we have to try to call this as we see it. Every quarter, n- n- almost every play in this game got hit by the ugly stick. There were eight total turnovers in this game with five of them happening. By Nebraska, um, the Nebraska now leads the country in turnovers. Three quarterbacks played for Nebraska. Each quarterback turned the ball over one time. This stat from Jamie Mack at Just Cover Blog: Nebraska has turned it over on twenty-eight point one percent of its drives against Power Five teams this year. At least three turnovers in six of those games. And lost the turnover margin in all eight of those games. Three different quarterbacks turned the ball over yesterday. Every it's I mean, we are a broken record. We break down Nebraska and we're like, roll your defense out there, don't turn the ball over. They roll their defense out there and then they turn the ball over.
1: There's no bigger example of it than this game. I mean, the defense played very well. That's a decent Maryland offense that they held their 13 points. They turned it over five times and they lost by three. Yeah. Like I, I just don't know what else to say about Nebraska. Now, we, we said we want to talk about the winning teams. I know. We already broke. We're, we so already We're going to do it. We're going to talk about the winning teams. Yes. Maryland, the biggest question, I just don't know what to make of this team anymore because this used to be the the the, the Mike Loxley Terrapins that have a good offense, can score points, but they kind of get a little eh on defense. But the offense has just seemed to lose any kind of identity that it's had. Now, wow. good on them. they've made enough plays here to, to get it done, but.
0: Okay, I, I I put out a joke tweet, but I, I was sort of serious. Like halfway through the first quarter, I'm like, "All right, Maryland, Nebraska, let's make a let's make a pact." Maryland just throws the ball the entire game, and Nebraska just runs the ball the entire game. By the way, if both teams would have done that, it definitely would have worked better for, for Nebraska. I don't know about Maryland so much, but the point I'm trying to make here is we know what Maryland's identity is. It's it's Lea of Iola and hitting big plays. They hit big plays in this game. They just missed on a couple other big plays. The issue was, and, and, and Locke said it after the game, he's like, you know, if we quit shooting ourselves in the foot, we would make it a lot easier on ourselves. 100% accurate. The problem is it's the same thing every year with Locke's teams. It's teams that you see the talent, but they do shoot themselves in the foot. So this was no exception. But Leah Tug of Iola, 27 to 40, 283 yards. And I will give them credit. They kept trying to run the ball, and I was shaking my head, but it started to pop through a little bit. They wound up with 101 yards. Roman Hemi, 74 yards. He had a 4.6-yard average. So, like, they did stick with it, and and it helped, I think, their overall uh, uh, offensive attack. Uh, But every time they had a chance to really kind of put this away, they fumbled or turned the ball over themselves. It was just like that kind of game.
1: It seems like any Maryland does have success running the ball, it's it's leaning on Roman Hemby more than the other backs. I mean, I yes. think he, he seems like that back that needs to get into a rhythm. He can't, just, he can't just get six, seven, eight carries and get his yards. He needs 15, 16, to 15, totally to 20 carries to kind of get that sweat burn or whatever because every time it seems like they get him into that window of carries, he has more success. I mean, 4.6 yards per carry, you take that every Good. single time from your feature back. But Great like you observation. said sh- about shooting yourself in the foot, the thing with Maryland was the penalties. Yes. ten penalties, ninety-two yards. You just Every can't. Time. You just can't keep doing that to yourself.
0: Nope, nope. And and I know it drives Locks nuts. You see the. The anger, you know, but locks, dude. At some point, you got to document
1: how good of an ass chewer he is. Yeah, I think he's really holding. He must be taking some classes because he seems (laughs) like he's holding himself back a little bit from what he really wants to do.
0: There was boxing classes at one point in his coaching career, but no kidding. And then switch back to the other side. By the way, folks, I, uh, J- Jordan and I sat down and said, "Let's start talking about the winning team first, and then we immediately broke our own rule. Uh, but back, so we're going to gonna Nebra- try
1: to be better. That's we're going to try to be better.
0: Part. But but back, but now switching back to Nebraska, Heinrich Carberg one of five, zero yards in a pick. How about that for a stat line? He goes out with something with his ankle. We'll see the severity of that. Jeff Sims obviously started the year off for Nebraska, eight of thirteen. Sixty-two yards, two picks himself. Like, and the one pick was where are you Woof. going with the ball? Type of deal. And Nebraska Twitter is a fire. I would be saying the same thing. Like, you see, you keep seeing the jokes. What has Chuba Purdy done to Jeff to Matt Rule in, in, in order to not get in this game? Chuba gets in. The offense immediately goes down the field. It looked like they were just going in for the win. He looked good running the ball, throwing the ball. One of three, 24 yards, with about three and a half minutes to go. I'm putting this one, Satterfield. Calls two passing plays out of three down by the goal line, or, or it was at least one. And, 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 and you're going against one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, definitely the best quarterback on Maryland. Go figure. He picks the ball off. I don't know what you are doing putting your quarterback, young, inexperienced, hasn't played this year quarterback in that position. Run the ball down their throat, trust your defense. That's on SAT, but it's also on rule because he's on the headset too. He can say, turn to SAT and say, you run this three, four, five times. I don't care what it takes. Yeah, I was just going to get out of Ed- here.
1: At that point, when you're Nebraska and what you know you can do, like it's four down territory every single time in that position in a game like this, where the variabilities are so high because of all the turnovers, you've got to say, "Hey, this is our shot to win this game. We're handing it off 38 straight times if we have to because yes. we know that's what we can do."
0: And I, yeah, and we'll I mean, get to a game. Sat- we'll get to a game where that happens. Okay, Satterfield, hey, yeah.
1: Satterfield. got a lot of criticism when he was hired, and.
0: It's not like moments
1: throughout the season that really it really makes you wonder if was this was this the right hire? I
0: I still give him credit for rolling with a completely different offense than he wants to do because the personnel hasn't worked out. But it it, the some of the decisions and the fact that Jeff Sims was the quarterback that him and Rule picked to come in, you can't trust that guy anymore. And, And if Heinberg if 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 Harburg's out with the ankle. And, and now your choices are down to Sims and, and Chuba. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. That's that's tough. Um, I think you got it. I think you ride with the young guy and try yeah. to build something. Chuba, you, you go yeah. with Chubba. I agree. And I think Nebraska fans agree with you too. By the way, speaking of young guys, Emmett Johnson, 17 carries, 84 yards, 4.9 yard average. I, I know they're probably trying to protect their young running back, but he looks okay. Mm-hmm. I, I guess let's increase his carries, you know, and then you can yeah, give it to fleeks and put Grant in there and hope to God, he doesn't turn the ball over. Like, but again, this is what you got to do. You got to run the ball. I know every Husker fan agrees with us. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Nope. I'm with you. I mean, what, what,
1: what else do you say about this Nebraska team? You have something you're good at, but you keep forcing something you're not good at. And it's the reason you're losing these games at some point you have to,
0: you have to poop or get off the pot with the win. <laughs> Perfect transition with the win. Maryland moves to six and four, bowl eligible for the third time, three years in a row since like 12, 13 years. So good on locks for getting them there. With the loss, Nebraska drops to five and five overall, three and four in the Big Ten. They still have a chance to win the Big Ten championship or they might miss a bowl. Incredible. This is how it goes. Yep. Okay. Moving in to the afternoon, Iowa 22, Rutgers. Zero the Hawks with dramatic pause. Four (laughs) four hundred and two yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights 127. How did this game reset go? It the first half went exactly how you thought it would go. Three to nothing, Iowa at halftime. Should have been up six-nothing or ten-nothing. Absolutely horrible decision by uh i was offensive coordinator and his and his quarterback to throw at the end of the half interception thank god it wasn't a pick six so the game goes into halftime three nothing after that wow Uh, as dominant as a second half as i have seen from an iowa football team in quite some time
1: yeah at halftime the the game the live game total at one point was 13 and a half so Mm -hmm. that (laughs) tells you exactly how this game was trending halftime it looked exactly like I think everybody anticipated it to Yep. I, I mean Iowa's defense completely smothered a Rutgers offense that just didn't have anything and wasn't able to do yeah. a whole lot I mean yep. I was defense really dictated the whole the whole game really but the first half more so than anything they just I mean they owned the game and then the second half yeah the, oh, the Hawkeye explosion on hmm. offense I mean yeah. Deacon Hill 223 yards passing we got wide receivers making yeah.
0: catches and making plays. I mean, got that whew. got that big deke energy going on with the Iowa offense right now. You, you know, like we record, obviously, on Wednesday evening. Um, I'm usually, I, I usually get through my process. I don't know about you, but every now and then there's one, maybe two games that if I had been given a little bit more time, I maybe would have felt a little bit different about. Now, I, I did predict Iowa to cover here as the week went on and the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is not a good matchup for Rutgers offense because Gavin Wimsett is not the quarterback to patiently pick apart this Iowa defense. And that's what you need. You need a quarterback that can patiently pick us apart. He, he's not that. And mostly what I'm getting at here is I, I don't know what more to say about Phil Parker at this point. Like, and I lost a lot off this defense. He, he's a freaking which man he I I I don't know what to say like I, I obviously I'm incredibly biased but agree that he's amazing, no, Phil Parker no
1: Phil Parker he deserves all of his flowers because you know for all the criticism and everything that the, the Iowa offense has gotten the defense has, deserves more praise even so than that because every single year it's just different guys with different names making the same plays and being in the same spots year after year after year he's he's a he's a top five defensive coordinator in the country and he may be a top one or two defensive coordinator in the country i mean there's some guys you can make arguments for but this guy every single year and it's not like he's rolling out six or seven that, five stars and that's doing why I, he's developing and getting his players to be in his system
0: yeah i mean that's why i which, think he's witchcraft top one is or, a good word that's why i think he's top one or two because of that last point you would make special teams coordinator too i somewhat jokingly said for um the stat line uh, for Deacon Hill, ten of fifteen for like hundred and forty yards. I think I said twenty of somewhere 30, in that range. Yeah, twenty of thirty-one for two hundred and twenty-three yards. The pick was awful. I, I mean, you just you cannot throw that ball.
1: Well, I you shouldn't that, even
0: have called that play. Shouldn't that he should have been either. in there, just like the Nebraska call. He shouldn't have even have been in the position. With that being said, other than that pick, he also just looked confident his feet was underneath him he was throwing bb's i mean sometimes he has got to chill out with those you know somebody that's seven eight yards away from me just rockets in there it's still the one thing i would change other than him being you know a little bit slimmer and more nimble would be another thing but that's that's not going to happen the rest of this year but man he looked good and then and i gotta give we we have to give if this is okay if we're allowed brian ferentz a little credit all the guys they've lost to stick with the guys they have also to stick with the passing game, because once the passing game got a little bit unlocked, the rushing attack came with it. Um, team rushing 46 carries 179 yards. It's a four yard average. Well, Sean Williams, Lee Sean Williams, 63 yards, 4.8 yard average. So like the offense came alive. Shout out to Caleb Brown, uh, wide receiver, Ohio state transfer. He's been kind of learning the offense in and out with something mysterious Look good this game. And you look good at the end of the Northwestern game too. Iowa fans are praying, hoping that that something has come of Caleb Brown. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's you don't get recruited and commit to Ohio State as a wide receiver if you don't have talent. So obviously there's talent in there with Caleb Brown. So we'll see if he can eventually. I mean, he he seems to be trajectory the right way. Yeah, we'll see he can. I mean, this Iowa offense needs somebody to be that that force. He obviously
0: has the talent to do it. We'll see if he can continue to do it. Zero penalties for Iowa, um, and then switching over to the Scarlet Knights. Tough day uh, for Gavin Wimsett, 7 of 18, for 93 yards, zero touchdowns and a pick. Uh, um, Kyle Manungai, Mon- the fun guy, we love him, still love him. Dinged up coming into the game, got dinged up again. That definitely doesn't hurt your your rushing chances, but I got to say, team rushing, 23 carries for 34 yards a 1.5-yard average, I mean, this was a rushing attack that kind of tore up Ohio State the week before. You know, one of those is on a gadget play, I understand that, but, like, fair enough to say they looked a lot better running the ball last week. It was not there on Saturday. And I think it's what you kind of mentioned about
1: Limset needing to be that quarterback that can kind of patiently pick you apart. I think Iowa realized very, very early on that was not on the table, and they were able to almost erase the pass as a threat and just said, okay, now what? Now what yeah. are you going to do?
0: Yeah. Um, picked up a ton of Rutgers followers this week on Twitter. Had some great interactions with Rutgers fans. They do exist, folks. I know they're disappointed. They have the right to be disappointed. This was just a bad matchup and a bad day. Okay, it's tough flying from to the middle of the country in that setting to get that win. This is still a good Rutgers team, all right? you They could still finish. Nine and four, right? Eight and five in that area, which is way bigger, you know, a better year than anybody was thinking. So, like, don't lose faith. I still think there's one or two or maybe three wins left for Rutgers. Just a bad day in Iowa City with the win. I mean, the, the list
1: of teams that have gone into Kinnick Stadium and had bad days is extremely yeah. long. Like I said, there's. I don't think this Rutgers team has any reason to hang their head. There's there's winnable games on the schedule, and they got a bowl game coming. And I think the needle is moving up for the Scarlet Knights team. It's just a tough spot and a tough
0: matchup. Yep, absolutely. With the win, Iowa moves to 8-2 and overall, 5-2 and in the Big Ten. A commanding lead in the Big Ten West. If they win one of the next two games, they're in Indy. They're guaranteed at least a share of the Big Ten West title. Obviously, that's not the goal. There's also just other teams that could lose, and that would be enough to get them in. But, you know, a lot of... Well, we'll get to the power rankings in the end, but I think it's pretty impressive. You know, like Iowa has separated themselves at least to a certain degree from the pack with the loss records falls to six and four. Also with the win, Kirk Ferentz ties Bo Schembechler for third most wins of all time. Yes, I know. Michigan fans, Bo Schembechler. Nobody's saying Kirk Ferentz is a better coach than Bo Beckler. Bo Shenbecker got there in four and a half less seasons. Okay, I get it. I I understand that. As my as my five year old says, I know that. When you when you point point out something to him, that, I know that. So I know that Michigan fans. With that being said, shout out to my former coach Kirk Ferentz. That's that's a pretty big accomplishment when you're up in the win totals like that. If nothing else
1: in today's climate of college football, what it is, it speaks to the fact that the longevity and how long he's been there and been able to be successful, that alone is impressive. And then you get the wins and to continuously just have a program that, I mean, the joke is always, Oh, I was going to win eight or nine games every year. Right. And then they have that up year. That's a, that's a commitment to to KF
0: because that's not easy to do in today's climate. Fans start to get restless. That is accurate. And, we know that KF's uh, drink of choice is uh, Saint Pauli Girl, a quality beer, by the way. But maybe for something that big, maybe maybe something a little bit better, like I don't know, like Amador. The on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving in a little bit deeper into the afternoon. How about this one? Purdue, 49. Minnesota, thirty. The Boilermakers with 604 yards of total offense to the Gophers, 407, if my math is correct. That's 1,011 total yards in West Lafayette. How'd the game go? It was kind of back and forth in the first half. I mean, I felt like both teams were certainly in it, mostly because both teams' offenses were just exploding left or right. And it was 28-20 to 20 Purdue at halftime, and that was it. Then, then... Uh, 35 to 20, 42 to 20, game over. Purdue just took over. Uh, again, teams you think you know, but Purdue should be left for dead. Then that Rose running backs and that offensive line take off. Shout out to Purdue for for fighting. I mean, you run
1: the ball for 353 yards against a Gopher defense that is traditionally pretty good, and this season yeah. has been very good against the run. That's impressive. That's I mean, it takes so much pressure off of Hudson card because we've always said this Purdue team, it's like, it feels like it's Hudson card or nothing. This whole year is kind of what it's been. Well, that wasn't the case today. They were able to run the ball. And because of that, then you have Hudson card who goes 17 for 25 for and three touchdowns. It's amazing what happens when you have a nice complimentary running attack. And I would say elite running attack in this game, what it does to a quarterback and receiving game and how efficient they can be when they, that that's just not an all out pressure on them all the time.
0: Right. Forty-four carries, three hundred and fifty-three yards. That's an eight-yard average, right? And Devin it's, Mockabee, hard to, it's hard to lose a game when you do that. I, like, yeah, I would think <laughs> you would. I think I would think you would win ninety-nine percent of yeah. the games. Devin Mock could be one hundred and fifty-two yards at a nine-yard average. I said Tyrone Tracy Jr. would be a guy to look for to pop. He did one hundred and twenty-two yards, an eight-point-one-yard average, and two touchdowns. So, like, he popped. It's just that Devin Mackabee popped even more. Insane, Deion Burks, good good day, sixty yards and a touchdown. Garrett Miller, they got good tight ends, sixty five yards and a touchdown. I, I, I tell you what, man, like it's going to be interesting to see where Purdue goes with re- recruiting and stuff because I see snippets. It, it, it they have the ability to shift gears and do things a little bit differently. I don't know, it's inter- it's an interesting team to keep an eye on moving forward. The one other, the one note I did write down about this game was
1: this game in particular makes me feel even better about the future of Purdue under Ryan Walters because you see a team that comes off of the game that they had against Michigan and they've had a rough season easily. Like you said, you could lay down and die, but then they have this kind of performance with a lot of young guys making a lot of these plays. The future
0: could be, it looks pretty bright. A future that's not looking as bright right now is the Gophers a lot of DMs with a lot of gopher fans and then buddies that I know locally. I feel like a lot of negativity is put towards Minnesota's offense being too too conservative. The defense, it, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't know what to say. And I know Cody Lindenberg was out. They've got some people down. But you can't give up this many rushing yards. There was no answer. You, They're only good defensive outing was against Iowa in the last five six games otherwise it has looked awful the collapse of this Joe Rossi defense is one of the more surprising things I have seen in Town in quite some time PJ Fleck has shown the ability to make decisions quick I am wondering if Joe Rossi is getting a little bit nervous if he's going to get a pink slip in his locker I don't know I don't know what to say well, I mean, the one thing I wrote down here was just this is a head scratching team, and I I do agree it's more
1: of the defense that's head scratching because, like we said early on in the year, they looked really good and and seemed to be able to slow teams down. But it's just like every week, you know, it was the passing game that was eating them up, and then for this to happen, it's surprising. It's it's, it's surprising to say the least, and we know Gopher fans are getting restless, and when that happens, heads start to roll. So, like you said does pj sacrifice joe rossi at the, the you know the to try to save himself or is there more changes that need to happen in minnesota i don't know what that answer is i think pj's still a good coach and i think he's I still to. a guy that can win at minnesota but something's got to change because yes. it's different ways that you're losing games now great point instead of just one consistent trend when it's one thing okay we focus on that and we fix it now that you're Losing games in a variety of ways. Now you have a problem that you really need to
0: dig into and figure out. That's an excellent point. Um, one thing I would put out is I had Minnesota at five and five at this point in the season, losing to Ohio State and beating Wisconsin. Totally possible that could be exactly how it goes down to finish six and six. I'm old enough to remember when Gopher fans tore my ass up that I had the gall to predict Minnesota six and six. Now that's what they are rooting for. I think we all have a hard time believing Minnesota is going to win next week versus Ohio State. So they'll they'll be sitting at five and six going into Madtown. With that being said, Gopher fans, for the three that are still listening, that are probably three of my best friends, you know, if you finish six and six and win your bowl game, that means you will have a winning season with both the pig and the axe in your locker room. In what I believe is a transitory year. this gopher program it's it's not that bad if the bottom is seven and six with with you know treasures in your locker room that's not so bad fair fair enough no
1: i think i think you have to at at this point in the year you you have to take a realistic approach to what you're looking at and understand like what you just said is a really good point about being a transitional type of year you have to see it that way because the players that you do have that are playing and do still show those bright spots are younger guys who can Agreed. and will be around. Right. So those are things that you have to look forward to. So you got to get that win against Wisconsin. That is huge because now if you drop these next two games and don't get to that bowl game, that's where that's okay. Bad. now you have yeah. to start having other conversations. But it's entirely possible that it, the scenario you just laid out happens. This We know this Gopher team can win. Win football games
0: and it is, is a solid team. They just got to find a way to get these pieces back put together in the puzzle. With the win, Purdue moves to three and seven. With the loss, Minnesota drops to five and five, but at three and four, with wins over Iowa, Nebraska, potentially Wisconsin, they are still available to win the Big Ten championship or miss a bowl altogether. It's a crazy world we live in. Speaking of crazy, Northwestern 24. Wisconsin 10, the Wildcats with 324 yards of total offense to the Badgers, 341, the game reset. Wisconsin goes right down the field, makes some errors, has to kick a field goal, 3-0, then 7-3 Northwestern, then 14-3 Northwestern, 21-3, 24-3 at halftime. They go on cruise control, that is the score the entire second half, until Jordan, one of his my favorite things that he's brought to the podcast is a sad field goal. Jordan, we had a sad touchdown here. It had nothing to do with the game total covering or anything. Wisconsin scores a sad touchdown at the end of the game to make it 24-10. But how about these Wildcats and their coach, David Braun? This is, this is incredible what they are doing. Yeah, ha- he, David Braun. Okay, two things about David Braun. One, hire the man.
1: First of all, he deserves the head coaching job of this team for what he's done and the situation that they were in, all the Fitzy stuff, and to have this team where they potentially can still get to this point in the year, 100%, hire the man. He deserves a job. Secondly, let's also put it to bed. This is the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, not yet, right now, right now. I, I I don't see a situation where anything changes that changes my opinion about it. I mean, I that I mean it's my opinion, I suppose, but I think with what he's done with this team, that is the Big Ten Coach of the Year because it, it's it's just impressive to me. I am so impressed with how he's able to rally this team and keep them going in the right direction and still have a shot
0: to get to a bowl game. I, I, it's nothing short of amazing in my eyes. I want to be clear. I agree with what you said. It's it's amazing what the dude has done. I would say the other coaches that are in the running, it if Northwestern finishes five and seven, still impressive. If Iowa finishes 10 and 2, KF is in the running. If Ryan Day goes 13 and 0, he's got to be in the running as well. Those are the other two coaches that I would say are in the running because your guy's not going to be in the running that, that, no, that's just so not, So he's, he's on the table. So like, I would say those are the three coaches. And then here's the crazy thing. Does the Northwestern administration even want him to win the award? Because if he is the coach of the year, you have you to have hire to have So right. does that put them in an uncomfortable spot where they're like, now we can't even do a coaching search because I don't know, but you look on the sidelines, right? Cause uh, in the, in the afternoon window, it's tough. Okay. Um, side note. Side note. By the way, when when one of the games that you're watching is on Peacock, aka the cock, so that TV you 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 can't do anything with it, right? I'm I'm calling that nope. now the, the cock lock. When when the Peacock is <laughs> when the Peacock's on your TV, it's it's cock locked. You can't do, yeah. you can't do anything with it. So, anyways, I like it. Okay, but in the afternoon, not to confuse people, but in the afternoon. When I have I won, I'm just being real, folks. That's getting most of my attention. But I can pay attention to a second game. Okay, this game was hard for me because it got out of control so quick. It was it was it was hard for me to give myself a reason to click over to this game. Okay, so I I, I got up early this morning, watched this game on speed, and I'm like, okay, what what actually happened here? What happened is. Northwestern just kicked their butt. Northwestern came out to play. The energy on the sideline compared to Wisconsin is insane. It's palpable. You can't deny it. All that credit goes to David Braun. So I I want to make sure I'm clear. I'm trying to give him as much credit. By the way, A.J. Henning, Cam Johnson, Bryce Kurtz. We got wide receivers now for Northwestern making plays. Didn't even know Ben Bryant wound up being the quarterback. This was absolute mystery he hasn't played since september he comes in 18 to 26 195 yards touchdown no pick ran for almost 140 yards cam porter showed out joseph hyman breaking through like he does he's a little speedster it is incredible how much better this team got has has, and has. that I, I agree and, and it
1: seems like every week it's it's the it's the trend that you want to see from a team that is developing because every week they get a little bit better and a little bit more consistent, and they find another way to do okay. Oh, look, they now, now they're doing I can this. Do this. Yep, like, now we have uh, extra wide receivers. It's not just Bryce Kurtz, we have a couple other guys. Oh, now our running game is going well. I mean, as a it's Northwestern amazing. fan, you have to be happy oh, with what are. you're seeing and how this is trending. On the other side of the ball, as a Wisconsin fan,
0: it's concerning. Boy, everything that we just said on the positive for Northwestern can be said on the negative for Wisconsin. Luke fickle is, he looks visibly ill. Okay. X Buckeye announcer actively calling out their effort and desire to win this game. Pretty ballsy. If you're going to say that as an announcer, but it looked bad. There were comments after the game saying, we're going to figure out who's in or out when you're mid November Making those comments, that ain't a good thing. Predicted, Kurt and I, and then I think you've been saying the same thing since, you know, you've been on the pod early in the season, to start the season. We predicted that there would be a transition period. You don't just go from Wisconsin football 40 years to this. But this is more to it than me. I mean, this this is rough to watch right now, if you're a Badger fan. Yeah, because well we talked about it a little bit
1: in the preview that we thought, okay, Mordecai's out, Braylon Allen's out, Shimmer DK's out. Well, two out of the three of them played. BA tried to play, and you right. could tell it just, just wasn't there. But so the guys that you quote unquote are your starters and the guys that you want to have in there played, and you still just could do nothing. Like there was there was nothing this Wisconsin nothing. offense had any success with. And yeah. at this point in the year, you have to know what's you- you have and who you are, and when you have your pieces, is what you can or can't do, and it just doesn't seem like that's there at all. The one it, piece it, that we did see that was good is, is Will Pauling. Uh, he's still he's still able to make plays, but other than that, I, right. it's a it's a whole lot of. Uh.
0: Yeah, I will give a shout out to Will Pauling because we heard about all of these wide receivers and how much better they were looking and everything like that. There's only one wide receiver that has looked as good as was advertised in the summer, and it's Will Pauling. 10 catches, 96 yards. In all honesty, Tanner Mordecai looked pretty good. 31 of 45, 255 yards. Had the one fumble, but I mean, it was essentially a meaningless fumble. It was late in the game, but zero touchdowns to the zero picks there's it's the same kind of thing we said leading up to this game between the 20s this is a pretty darn good offense but once it gets into scoring range penalty dropped pass bad play call missed field goal I, i i don't know what to say it's the same thing every time gotta go to coaching at this point i've actually been fighting wisconsin fans like ah I don't think it's so much the coaching; it's the personnel. Now I'm starting to listen to Wisconsin fans. Coaching is is, is a part of this too. Yeah, at, at this point, you have to.
1: Yeah, coaching has to be. And I mean, I think, and maybe it was we all had just too high of expectations for Luke Fickle because of the success that he had at Cincinnati and like his history. Because this is a massive change for Huge. this program to try to do what they're doing. So maybe it's a little bit on all of us to. Have the high expectation, but again, there's still talent on this Wisconsin team that just doesn't seem to be producing at the level
0: that it should. So it's not clicking. The, the identity nope. is not there. And you I understand why they tried to give Braylon Allen a go because they need Braylon need Allen. They absolutely need him. Couldn't do it. Ankle, we'll see how he feels next week versus Nebraska. But that's probably the story is how. Healthy and available, he is and effective the rest of the year. If they're going to finish uh, with the win, North- Northwestern moves to a well-documented five and five. With the loss, Wisconsin drops to five and five. They have the third longest bowl streak in Division One football right now, and at twenty-one years in a row, Wisconsin has been to a bowl game only behind twenty-four of Oklahoma and twenty-six of Georgia. I think Georgia's going to make another bowl game. Okay. It's not been good. You have to make a bowl. You have to make a bowl. Nebraska and Minnesota have to win one of those games because if not, if you finish 5-7, and Fickle is going to get heat. And he's going to get fired. He's in his first year, but that's the number one goal right now. There's, it's it, just... makes, it makes next year a whole lot harder if you don't know. Right. But I think with their record <laughs> in conference, I think they're still alive. To get to Indianapolis and win a Big Ten Championship. Another Dominos had to fall the right way, I'm sure. But all right, moving into our only evening game and probably going to be our fastest breakdown. Ohio State 38, Michigan State three. The Buckeyes with 530 yards of total offense to Spartans 182 yards. How's the game reset? They scored early, they scored often. They they put it on ice in the second half. I really would have loved to seen one garbage touchdown by Michigan State. They just could not come through for me. Okay. So I was this, I, it was my lock of the week. Yeah, I know. I liked it it's as well. Smart. I liked it as well in, my, in, in, in a personal play. Michigan state does not have a good pass defense. We know that with that being said, in my opinion, I thought Kyle McCord just looked better. There's a, so I, I, I know the two things are intertwined, but 24, 31, 335 yards, three touchdowns. He just looked more confident. Like he put his foot in the ground and he knew where the ball was going. Ohio State might be rounding out at the absolute perfect time.
1: Well, I mean, it helps when seven of those passes is to Marvin Harrison, who's oh, just gosh. a freaking freak. The dude, it's amazing. He's just impressive. I mean, he's incredible.
0: It, it, there's, there's not a whole lot more you can say about him. He's just. I think, I think he should be a number one pick in the draft. I I whoever passes Wait. on him is crazy if you ask
1: me. He's yeah, he he just finds ways to be open. Double coverage doesn't
0: matter. He that finds catch, a way to be open, he makes plays. The body control and catch on that second touchdown. It's a inc- dude, it's incredible. It was a great throw by McCord as well, but he has the confidence to throw that in there because he knows he, he uh, Marv's going to go make the play. Oh, uh, yeah. but by the way, had a rushing touchdown. He looked pretty Effective running the ball as well, like you knew he was going to score the second he had the ball. Craziest stat, craziest stat with his yards so far in the year over a thousand yards. The first Ohio State Buckeye wide receiver in program histi- history to have multiple one thousand yard receiving in a career.
1: I did not know that. I didn't even that, say that. is impressive. a
0: wow that is a especially wow. with these
1: this these offenses of the last 4 or 5 years that's really impressive
0: and what happens is they pop a big year and they go pro i mean that's what's yeah, hey. gone on but still you know like all it's not like it's the first time ohio state has had tailored wide receivers that's crazy um uh team rushing what do we have you got that pulled up uh, 32 carries total for 177 yards is what i'm seeing Trevion Henderson makes a difference. <laughs> I mean, he's in the game. Uh the and the Ohio State defense, there there was never a threat of Michigan no. State to even they they had a hard time even getting past the 50 yard line, let alone getting in the red zone and, and getting points. Uh Kate and Hauser, 92 yards passing, team rushing, 94 yards. Not much to say in Sparty land with this, not much to say about this game. It was kind of what I was expecting, but maybe even a, a touch more dominant than than what we thought it could be. Yeah, I
1: think for the rest of the college football world, the Buckeye offense starting to click and seem like it's really
0: finding out who it is. That's kind of scary for the rest of the college football world. It's always been Ohio State and Michigan. Yes, it's it's always been Ohio State and Michigan. With the win, Ohio State moves to 10-0, and 7-0. With the loss, Sparty drops to 3-7, and 7, 13 to miss a bowl this year. And that brings us to the... Dink! Yeah.
1: Ten game
0: of the week. Michigan 24, Penn State 15. The Wolverines with 287 yards of total offense to the Nittany Lions 238. Game reset as Penn State went down the field, went up 3-0. And that was kind of it. The bullet constrictor was put on. Um, Michigan didn't exactly ever run away with it. They're also well technically they did run away with it. With that being said, there never was much of a threat to me that Penn State was going to come back and win this game. They could not move the ball on this Michigan defense. Crazy stat. Uh Michigan did not attempt to pass from the about middle of the second quarter on. First team to not attempt to pass in the second half for a non-service academy team since 2015. and Michigan... I, I
1: have to say that I have seen that being floated around. Technically, they threw one pass in the second half, but that was when there was the pass
0: interference call, uh, so it okay. got negated. Well, there
1: was one as, pass attempt okay. in the
0: second half. As the stat line goes, though. The, yep, the, the stat the, line, we'll you'll say. never see it because of the penalty. Which thoughts on this football contest? Um. I think it was
1: – as a fan, take off the podcast part of it for a second. I was really disappointed and kind of – I felt like Michigan – I wanted to see more from the offense, and, but then step back into the rational side of it and you look at it and go, Sheryl Moore realized early on that his defense was going to keep this Penn State team from doing much of anything. They had some success running the ball here and there, but that's what happens with good teams. He realized early on, okay, my defense is going to control this game. I'm not going to put my offense in a situation where a big mistake can happen, a fumble, a pick six, anything like that. So I'm just going to lean on a whole lot of beef that I have up front, and I'm going to run the ball until they force me not to, and Penn State wasn't able to force them right. not to do it. It's essentially they, they what it read, turned out to be. They-
0: Sharon Moore and whoever the decision-making committee was, they saw this correctly. I don't know if they went to J.J. and put the hand on his shoulder and just said, listen, J.J., Heisman's not coming this year because we can't risk giving you the Heisman moment because there's no reason for us to, to do that. Now, J.J. McCarthy, 7 of 8, 60 yards. Not the sat line anybody would have thought. Nobody, nobody thought Deacon Hill was going to wind up with more yards than, than J.J. McCarthy, I think JJ's fine with it from what I can tell. He wants to go 13-0 and get in the playoffs. So I don't think it's a I don't think it's a big deal. I also am already annoyed. They're 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 talking more about Penn State's loss than Michigan's win. They're talking more about the offenses than the defenses. I'm gonna get angry for you, Jordan, because it pisses me off. I'm sure it pisses Michigan fans off too. It should piss Penn State fans off. And to be honest with you, it should kind of piss Ohio State fans off as well. I don't give a bleep who these defenses are going against. They're good, okay? They're great. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. The reason this game looked like it did is because of the defenses. Some teams are just led defensively. Michigan was better all around. They had enough rushing. Blake Corum with a great day, 145 yards, two touchdowns in a big moment. This is what you get with these teams. They're leaning into their strength. Shut up, people. I don't know. I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah, when, when you have the Danny Canals of the world, that he put out, I don't know if you saw his idiot I, like, I
0: just want to say I like Danny of of the of the schlubs on the Cover Three podcast. He he is the one that I like the most. I don't know why he's going so hard in the paint with this one though. I you know what I think? Yeah, his, I think he's said something. I mean, out. He's a
1: Florida State guy, so I get sure. it. But when he says that. Florida State's win over Miami is bigger than Michigan's over Penn State. That's ridiculous. Michigan and Penn State would both destroy Miami. I don't know that Miami would score more than 10 points against either one of these teams. So, I mean, it's the national media. They're going to have that talking point. These two defenses are elite. I would argue they're two of the top five defenses in the entire country. Yes. That's why the games, these big games against Penn State, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. That's why these games look this way. These, these, this Michigan and Ohio State offense, they have offensive talent. There's a reason that
0: they struggle in those games. That's because this defense is Agreed. good. It's I agree. I'm with yeah, it's we're on the same, I know. I mean, I knew we would be on the same page. With that being said, switching it over to Penn State. There's there's not much more we can say about the defense because we want to give no. the defense credit. they were they obviously last year. Michigan just ran it right down Penn State's throat, And Michigan had great rushing stats, 227 yards. So I want to give Michigan credit. The O-line running backs, so they looked great. But those were busting late because Penn State's defense was out there so much. Penn State can still get behind the line of scrimmage, cause havoc plays. Another reason why Michigan didn't try to throw the ball. So That's Penn exactly State, what I was going to say. That's why Michigan leaned so hard correct. on the run is because guys like Chop Robinson were abusing but these Carson Isaac, Barnhart. like They're just insane. They're really good. But there are negative things to say about Penn state's offense drew aller 10 of 22 70 yards a touchdown no pick um but they're having to do you know essentially trick plays to pick up a fourth and and one the rushing attack 164 yards okay 4.7 yard average well okay well the 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 um, um the stats on james franklin there i think he there's so, Fifty and fourteen against. He is fifty and fourteen against the rest of the Big Ten, but three and fourteen versus Penn State and Michigan. Those those are the stats. One win over a a top five team this century. That's another crazy stat. Those don't all fall on James Franken, obviously. So now you have Penn State fans, and they are angry. I I can't speak for a Penn State fan. I I would say they're over angry. I lead into what you said. They're a year away, and I I still believe that. The consternation, though, that I understand is you're such in big games, and what exactly do we have with Drew Aller? Those are the questions that need to get figured out ASAP in the offseason. I think it's possible. It wouldn't be crazy to see a new offensive coordinator, a new, a new take on this because you can't fault the overall feel of the program recruiting defense. All of that looks excellent. The rushing attack is still good. It's just pop plays out of the throw game. That's what's holding Penn state back. Yeah. And
1: I saw some, some Penn state fans, like they were really down on the the wide receivers because they just quote unquote, weren't getting open, but there were times where guys were open and Aller missed them. And and I think a lot of it was he got happy feet and it it didn't seem like Michigan was getting a ton of pressure quickly, at least, but he got happy feet pretty early on in that game. And I think that really just kind of shook him as far as the throw game goes, because there were some throws that he made that were behind, behind some open receivers that could have kept drives going. That's not to say it's all on Aller because there, there isn't, enough separation from these wide receivers they don't seem to have that one dynamic guy I mean I would, I'm not saying it has to be a Marvin Harrison but that type of player who when I need a play I got somebody I can go to
0: they just don't seem to have that weapon right now so we'll see how it goes do we stick essentially with what we have quarterback offensive coordinator and try to get splash play a, pl- a splash player or two at the wide receiver position if it could be that's it. There, there's no major change that needs to happen. A tweak is probably what ha- needs to happen, or you go get a new OC. I, 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 I'm at least open to that conversation. James Franklin getting very tough questions from his own media after the game. So, but at some point, I mean, they just had Kurt Scherraka there
1: not that long ago. Now yep. they got yours. How many times? I understand. Are you going to continue to change OCs? It gets tough on on a quarterback when he's continuously trying to learn a new system.
0: And then on top of that, you don't play Ohio State and Michigan every single year now. Moving forward, I do think Penn State will match up better with definitely the USC's, UCLA's, and Oregon's of the world. Washington, honestly, I I do believe of all the teams that could potentially benefit the most from the division list going away, it it could be Penn State. Yeah, it's entirely possible. With the win, Michigan moves to 10-0, 7-0 in the Big Ten. With the loss, Penn State drops to 8-2 and overall. Not going to win the Big Ten championship, but, I mean, they could still go 10-2, and 11-2 in a major bowl. There's still things to play for, Penn State fans. All right, let's go Absolutely. to the weekly Eisman. So, a lot of big
1: statistical numbers this week in the Big Ten. Um Couple things, couple players we want to shout out: Isaiah Williams, Pat Bryant from the Ohio ninth receivers, nine catches, two hundred yards, five catches, one hundred thirty-one and a touchdown. As we mentioned earlier, Donovan McCulley from Indiana, eleven catches, one thirty-seven, two touchdowns. I got to throw in a shout out to Deacon Hill. I mean, <laughs> two hundred twenty-three yards passing. Just gonna, just gonna throw that out there. Uh, the combination, Devin Mockabee, Tyrone Tracy, 32 carries, 275 yards, three touchdowns. So that goes to them and the offensive line, because obviously they don't do that without that offensive line. The weekly Marvin Harrison shout, the dude's a freak. <laughs> he's, I mean, at this point we may just have to retire him as an Eisman candidate because he's just no the best offensive athlete in the country. Uh, and then the final, the two. The, yes, the final two we're going to talk about, It's it's tough because any other week – John Paddock wins the Eisman going away with 24 for 36, 507 yards and four touchdowns. It's just the big game that we had and what Blake Corum did, 26 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns, the big plays when Michigan had to have them in a tough environment. It's the Big Ten game of the week. We're always going to lean to that. I know fans are going to say, oh, Jordan's
0: homerism is sticking no, out again. I, I of okay Michigan. this as well. And this is a theme. Yes. We always lean towards big moments and big games. So.
1: So, John Paddock gets the shout, would have been it if it wasn't for the big game. So, Blake Corum this week is our weekly Eisman, 26 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns,
0: and keeps Michigan on track for that big matchup coming up here in a couple weeks. I joke to you, I should have exacto betted first touchdown of the game, Blake Corum from three yards out. I mean, essentially, that's what happens every single week, but then he, he popped in a big a big run and then another big touchdown at the game. So deserves it this week. It'll be interesting to see what the big 10 conference does with their offensive player of the week though. It's going to be between one of those two. We will see. It has to be nice. Yep. All right. Last segment on this podcast we do every week is my weekly power rankings. We've had some movement here a little bit or a little bit of subtle changes here. Nothing changes at the top. Michigan number one, Ohio state number two, that will be officially settled in a couple of weeks here. We officially now have a line and we have a second tier down with Penn State being in the tier by themselves at number three. I don't think anybody's really gonna challenge me too much on that. Maybe a little bit more uh a little crazy for some. A another team on a tier of their own is the Iowa Hawkeyes. So one, two, three, four, and five actually have not changed, but at this point, Iowa is three wins above. Anybody in the Big Ten West and two wins above anybody else in the conference, I think what you're in mid November, that's a tier at that point. If you're that far up, is that
1: fair? Yeah. I I don't know how anybody could argue with any of this top four or the separations that you have. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State both beat Penn State. Penn State beat Iowa. Iowa beat who you have at five. The separations are there. The order, I mean, to me, that's how it
0: has to be with what we've seen. And I think, Iowa could be as high as 15, probably 16 or 17 on Tuesday night. That's another thing you can look at as far as the separation. Then we get messy, boy. Holy buckets, this is where the fun's at. Five ruckers. That's where they are at last week. Yes, that's right. I kept them there. The, who to put in front of them? That's the thing. So, so that's so, that's the okay. biggest point. And, and everybody, and and I know what people do. I do the same thing. You look at a team where they're at, and you think to yourself, well how can you put that team there? And I keep asking the same question. Then who are you going to move in front of that team? That's where the issue is at. I got Northwestern all the way up to 6, moving up 6 spots. Okay, you're you're agreeing with I don't you. know. I don't disagree with you. Part of the power ranking is is, is there there is recency bias baked into this. I'm still taking head to head to account, but you have to look at current trajectory. And right now they're hot. Northwestern's hot. So they move up. Uh, I got Maryland yeah, at it's, seven. It's it's warranted at this point. Yep. I got Maryland at seven. You could move you could move either one of those around, wouldn't wouldn't bother me whatsoever. Maryland does have more wins. I got Illinois up one spot to eight. Again, they look like a different team with Jeff Vatican in there. That's some uh something to look for. I got Minnesota. At nine, Illinois just barely beat them last week, so to me that's perfect. But that's Minnesota moving down three spots. I got Wisconsin moving down two spots to ten. They could be lower, but I've got Nebraska right at, right underneath them at eleven. Nebraska and Wisconsin have the same record, so I got Wisconsin or uh, Nebraska dropping four spots. They just lost to N- Michigan State, who had a six-game losing streak. Coming into that game. And then they just lost to Maryland, who had a four game losing streak coming into that game. And they've turned the ball over how many times? I got, I got chewed I'm out golden. by a guy named Herbie Hype or Hype Herbie uh, for where I had Nebraska. And I'm, I'm like, bro, you know, like stop turning the ball over and you'd be higher. And he's like, we've been turning the ball over all year. My argument, for, my argument for him would have been, hey, I moved you down as many positions as interceptions you threw this week. That's, that would have been one way I could have replied. Um, Purdue at 12. Dude, I don't know what to do with Purdue. And I told Purdue fans, fans, I don't know what to do with you. Your, your team looks better, but your overall record is ass. So you, you wind up at 12. I don't know what to say, right? Tough. I think it's fair.
1: I mean, okay. like you said, the Power Rankings have a lot of different – things that used to get measured into it, but
0: record does come into play at some point has to at some point, if they would have beat San Jose state or Syracuse games, they could have won. They'd be much higher here and they would be fighting, you know, they'd be bull, bull. bull eligibility. Those were, those were tough games, Indiana, 13. I kind of feel bad putting the Hoosiers at 13. They are fighting. They they're dangerous, but they're not good. And then I have, uh, overall records is, is what I mean. Then Michigan State at fourteen. I thought about putting a line of demarcation and putting Michigan State all on the tier below, but I figure Sparty fans have suffered enough this year, so I just kept them From in them there. Out. Yeah. Um, so I want to say this: everybody focuses on how mid to use a you know a, a, a term the kiddos use. How mid? What the Young kids are saying. Yep. You know, everybody is for. Through 14. And there's two things that I get puffy chesty about. Number one, I would appreciate if you didn't put Iowa in that situation. Okay. Iowa's got a chance to go 10 and 2. So that's not mid. That's at least good. Okay. Or pretty good. Then the other thing I would say is Michigan State, not so good. All right. That that's that's that's, that's not a good football team. So we, we can all agree with that. With that being said, five through 13, okay, which is Rutgers through Indiana. These aren't bad teams, folks. Uh, The Big Ten does not have, or at least only has, one bad team. The The ceiling is high for two teams, and the floor is high for everybody else. So it doesn't make the most aesthetically pleasing conference from top to bottom. I do believe, though, a lot of idiots from the Big 12, ACC, you can throw them in there, they think... They are so much better than teams 5 through 13. In my probably biased opinion, I don't think they are. I think those teams are a little bit better than what people think. You can go through every single other conference and make a power
1: ranking, and it would look very similar to what the Big Tens does as far as what we have tier-wise. Each conference has one or two teams at the top that is a little A little bit of a step above everybody else. Yep. There's a chunk of two to three to four teams in the middle that are closer. And in the bottom is clumped together too. It's this is what college football is is. right now. And anybody that's saying otherwise is just being, it's their homerism to their own conference.
0: But why, why is it? And maybe it's just because I'm more sensitive to it. I don't know, but it sure seems like the slings and arrows are put out on the big 10 more than the other conferences. It's eerily similar to why is it that a, a team that's a game that's thirteen to ten is absolutely attacked, but a game that's fifty two to forty nine is a joy for everybody to watch. I watched, you know, a, a pretty big chunk. I had I had a rooting interest, as as we say, in that that USC Oregon game. Oregon's good. USC's defense is trash. It's Abysmal. so bad. Um, and and then sticking with the Pac twelve theme. Here a little bit they they've looked a lot better this year they deserve credit for looking better Washington and Oregon have separated themselves these are obviously the 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 two best teams very similar to what Ohio State and Michigan have done okay after that Arizona seven and three Oregon State eight and two doesn't that sound quite a bit like Penn State and Iowa right there Fair. Yeah, and
1: you could you could argue that Oregon State is the Pac-12 Iowa. Like their right. offense is, I mean, it's a little bit better than what Iowa's been, but they rely
0: on their defense. Right now, I will say Utah would be matched up around Rutgers. Probably going to lean, you know, Utah there, but, but that's then still going to be a good game. Right, exactly, USC is is the next team that's there at this point. I don't know with that defense, they could lose to anybody. They they are absolutely. Falling apart, and then you mentioned the ACC will go through it quick. I know this is already a long podcast. Florida State, very good, top team for any conference. Louisville is the second team down. I mean, they played was it Thursday night? They look good, but that you know, do we do we really think Louisville should be up there with the top two or even three teams in the Big Ten? No, I, I I do not believe so. UNC. Crazy game they played. I, what Again, we don't have to go through each one of these, but it's 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 very similar. And then the SEC, it's the same thing every single year, right? Georgia and let's, Bama. Let's
1: not, let's not forget about, you know, just back to
0: Louisville for a second. Yeah.
1: They played Indiana right. at a neutral site earlier this year and won by seven
0: points. It, 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 Indiana had their chances to win that game. Yes. Now, I understand maybe Louisville's gotten better, but hey – That's what we got for on field. Like you should be beating what I have ranked as the thirteenth best team in the Big Ten by more than that. If you're a team that's supposed to be considered to hang with Michigan and Ohio State, give me a break. Um, Alabama has rounded into a friggin' machine again. Georgia is Georgia. Those two teams are are incredible. Missouri's good. Tennessee overrated. Ole Miss overrated. Texas A&M just fired their coach. You know, LSU, they got their own issues. Like, I'm not saying there isn't good teams three through five and six in the SEC. Just don't think they're as big and great as what they get, you know, put out to.
1: It's because it looks different in the Big Ten. That's why. It's because it's defense-driven, not offense-driven. That's why it gets the criticism.
0: All right. Then w- the other thing I was going to say, but we will save it for the next podcast. It could actually tie into a theme that you were thinking about, which is college football playoff scenarios, because I put a tweet out with the top eight teams, two from the big Ten, two from the sec, two from the pac 12, one from the big 12, um, one from whom I, who am I missing? Um, ACC ACC. North thank State. you. Yep. So as spread out as spread out can be, maybe we'll, we'll talk on that on the next podcast because we got two weeks left. It could be a wild and woolly finish in the, for uh, the college oh, it's, football it's playoffs. Gonna the, be because, it is. It's going
1: to be because two of those teams play each other. Four of those teams have played each other. Two other teams could play again.
0: <laughs> yep. And as a teaser, we could have two Big Ten teams playing two SEC teams in in the college football playoff. It is it is not impossible that that could be the scenario. I don't even know how I feel about that right now, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan, little hug over, just got a little bit sweatier right there when he thought about that one. All right, man. That's a long pod, but that was some fun football. You got anything else you want to add? Nope. That was a fun week. A lot of good games. The end of the season is fastly
1: approaching. I'm my, my, my call to order for everybody is to enjoy it. Okay. Because college football will be over before we know it, let's okay. enjoy these last few weeks that we have and really get ready with, for the
0: fun that's about to happen. And with that theme, I told you I was going to put the screws to you at some point, but no, oh boy, you, 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 you're, you've been awesome all season long. I very much appreciate it. All that I've, I've heard tons of eyes on big listeners tell me how much they appreciate you. You know, there's the potential that you might have to record a thoroughly painful podcast in two weeks to the day. Are you? Are you committed? Will Will I see you that next Sunday? Are you like hypothetically saying that Michigan's going to lose that game? Is that what Is that what you're getting at? I am hypothetically throwing out the possibility that you might actually have to record a podcast after a loss, and I'm just I just want to make sure you're you're aware I will, that that's a scenario that could happen here.
1: I will fully commit to it, <laughs> and if that day should come, I will be here and be yourself. I, I yeah. I, I, I'm a, At the end of the day, I'm a football fan. I can I can respect it. Yeah. We'll see how that game plays out. I might be bitter. There'll be some sour grapes. I might be but bitter. I can be, you might I be, can be yeah. as objective as possible. I don't think we're going to have to worry about it, though. Oh,
0: boy. Confident Michigander. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. Talk
1: to you soon.